Turn with us please to Matthew the 6th chapter. Matthew 6. In Matthew 6 in verse 32. Matthew 6.32, he had said, after all these things, talking about uh, what we call the necessities and desires of life, your food, your clothes, your housing, all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you know, uh, maybe God knows that we don't need it. No, I said God knows you do need it. And verse 33, but seek ye, they're all seeking after that, but you seek something else. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, your food, your clothing, your housing, your money, all these things will be added to you. Not while you're seeking the things, but while you're seeking the kingdom. Now this is a completely different way of living. Completely different way of living than the world lives. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, how many would agree and believe that all of us believers should be seeking first the kingdom of God? You agree with that? What is the kingdom of God? How could you seek it if you don't know what it is? So we've been into this for some weeks now when I've been with you that uh, defining what the kingdom is and how it operates and how we can seek and put God's kingdom first. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. In the book of Acts, Peter, Paul, the church, they referred to the kingdom on an ongoing basis. Uh, Jesus and the apostles and the beginning days of the church, they were all very, very kingdom-minded. The gospel is actually the good news about the kingdom. That's not my idea. I'm quoting scripture. The gospel of the kingdom is how the gospel is referred to. Well, what is the kingdom? Kingdom is a combination of two words. King and dumb, shortened down from dominion, the king's dominion. Or you could say it like this, what the king reigns over. In fact, Young's literal translation translates it that way consistently in the New Testament. Instead of saying the kingdom of God, it says the reign, R-E-I-G-N, the reign of God. And so, If we're seeking the kingdom of God, we are seeking that which the Lord reigns over. And we're seeking that what he reigns over would expand. And if you said, well, what does the Lord reign over? A lot of Christians would say he reigns over everything. And if you just say it like that, that's not true. If you're talking about right here and right now, God ruling and reigning over everybody and everything. Now, if this sounds new to you, don't just say, well, I don't think I agree with that preacher. We spent uh, weeks on a subject we called You Choose a while back. Go back and get that and go through the scriptures with us and see what the word says. You, You hear a lot of folks say, God is in control. 
And people say, you know, of what? What's God in? He, everything. God's in control of everything. And you hear people say, no matter what happens, well, everything happens for a reason. I just believe everything. Well, that may be true, but it doesn't mean that the reason is that it was God's will or God's plan. And the truth is, there's all kind of things happening down here that's not God and not his will and not his plan. There is a devil and he's stealing and killing and destroying. Is that the same as what God is doing? Then why are we going to say that every Do you know who wants you to believe that God's in control of everything? The devil. So that you don't blame him and you actually blame God for all the evil stuff the devil is doing and ungodly people are doing. Now back up with me in this sixth chapter to the ninth verse. Matthew 6 and 9. Jesus' disciples had asked him about prayer. How to pray and what to pray about. And Jesus gave this and what we, most every Christian is familiar with, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And he said, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the first thing he directs us to ask for is what? Verse 10. What? What's the first thing? Your kingdom. So there's more than one kingdom. Not all kingdoms are God's kingdom. Your kingdom. There are a number of kingdoms in the earth right now. That are not God's kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In earth. As it is in heaven. Keep reading. Give us this day our daily bread. Keep reading right through the prayer here. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. And notice how the prayer ends. For thine is the what? Kingdom. And the power. And the glory. Forever. Amen. Now back up to that 10th verse again. You see a definition of the kingdom or understanding of it. What is the kingdom of God? Thy kingdom come. What else? Thy will be done. Where the king is reigning, the king's will is being done. Can you see this? Well, is God reigning over everything down here right now? Well, is his will being done in everything down here right now? No. But does God have a separate will for the earth than for heaven? He does not. Is it God's will that heaven be wonderful and earth be terrible? No. God doesn't change. He has one will. Right? Now, how are things in heaven right now? Huh? How much crime in heaven? How much disease? How much famine? How much war? How much? How much? Zero. Do you know why? Because God actually is in complete control there. And his will is being done in its entirety there. What about down here? 
Well, if God's will was already being done in its entirety down here, why would he tell us to pray that it would be? No. God's will is not being done in its entirety. Now, there's coming a time. I said there's coming a time when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord King of kings and Lord of lords to the glory of God the Father. But that time is not yet. That time is not yet. I'm quoting scripture. It says, now we see not yet all things under his feet. But in this time, in this age, the Lord is only ruling over those who voluntarily submit to his lordship. Those who are not He is not. How many are glad that the Lord helped you to see light? To bow your knee. And to receive Jesus as Lord of your life. And to the degree that you and I will yield to him and submit to his lordship. And do what he tells us to do. He will be reigning over us. And the way you can tell if he's really reigning over you. His will will be being done. In you and through you and around you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now go with me, please, over to uh, John, the third chapter, verse 3. John 3 and 3. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And Jesus said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, You look at other verses, he talks about entering into the kingdom of God. You won't be aware of the kingdom and you won't get into the kingdom except by being born again. Now that's the King James. It's interesting to note, Young's literal translation says it like this. That Jesus said, verily, verily, I say to you, if anyone may not be born from above. And this is literally accurate. If anyone is not born from above, he's not able to see the reign of God. Now, taking other scriptures, born again is a correct term too. But in this passage, it literally says born from above. What's that got to do with seeing and being a part of the kingdom? Well, the kingdom of God is also called the kingdom of heaven. And, or or we could say it like this, the kingdom from above. To get in the kingdom from above, you got to be born from above. Very, very important. Uh, Some of the things that we're going over right now, you may not see where they all fit. And it might not make you want to just jump up and run the aisle immediately. But the Lord's doing things in us. He's laying things that we will need for later on. Do you believe this? And as we go, more and more of these things are just going to gel and come together. And we're going to be able to understand this because we got this. Born from above. Say it out loud. Born from above. Born from above. above. And uh, 
Verse 4, Nicodemus said, How is a man able to be born being old? Is he able into the womb of his mother a second time to enter and be born? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, if any uh, one may not be born of water and the Spirit, he is not able to enter into the reign of God. So he's talking about seeing the kingdom and entering into the kingdom. How's the only way to see the kingdom and get in the kingdom? You must be born from above, born again. Only way. Now he goes on to say that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7, you may not wonder that I said to you, it behooveth you. In other words, you must be born from above. Born from above. Now we're going to go into some scripture that shows how clearly Jesus differentiated between that which is from above and that which is from beneath. That which is of God and that which is of this world. He made a very distinct separation between the two and we need to as well. In John, you're there in the third chapter, just going over to the eighth chapter. John 8 and 23. Jesus said, John 8, 23, he said, you are from beneath. Now he's talking to the religious rulers, uh, Pharisees and doctors of the law. In this same chapter, he told them, you are of your father, the devil. Oh, it made them mad. It made them so mad they wanted to kill him. And uh, they purported themselves to be the most spiritual, closest to God people in the area. And here, Jesus tells them they don't even know God and that God is not their father. He said, uh, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Now there is Many different variations of universalism theology. It comes in a lot of different varieties, and it's basically this, that we're all children of the same God, and that there are many paths leading to the same ultimate destination. Hence, all the religions and all the variations are just people's imperfect grasp of the one God who is the Father of us all. And that's a lie straight from the pit. I said it's a lie. Don't take my word for it. We're going to look at Scripture that's very, very clear today. And you've got to make up your mind whether you want to be politically correct and socially acceptable or whether you believe the Bible. Because they're not the same. At all. No. The truth is, there are two spiritual families in the earth. And there's only two because there's only two spiritual fathers. If you say, well, no, there's three or four, then who's the other fathers? There's only two spiritual fathers, God and Satan. And here Jesus told these people, you're of your father, The devil. If you haven't been born from above, who's your father? Satan. 
without exception. Don't care who you are, where you're from. You can't see the kingdom. You can't get into the kingdom except one way. You must be born again. Born from above. People say, oh, that's just, you're just narrow-minded and saved. (laughs) Jesus said there's a broad way that leads to destruction and many that go therein. Oh, yeah, you can embrace everything and everybody and go off the cliff with everybody else. But he said there is a straight way and a narrow way and few that find it. Jesus is not just a way and one of many ways. He is the way, the truth, the life, the one and only way. Didn't Jesus say, nobody comes to the Father except by me. Now, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe Jesus. And how can you be a Christian? And you don't believe Jesus. I'm going to believe something else besides what Jesus said, but I'm a Christian. Well, that don't work. Well, preacher, I got to mark to my beliefs just like you. Actually, you don't. If Jesus is your Lord, you're not supposed to just make up what you want to believe. You're supposed to believe what he told you to believe. Right? No. Uh, the enemy is very subtle. And there's a reason why there's so much confusion around. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine to them. So there's a reason why there's so much confusion. There's supernatural influence to keep people in the dark and confused. Oh, but aren't you thankful that the glorious light of the gospel has shined to you, that you're able to see it and know the truth. Has the truth made you free? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We'll be thankful forever that the Lord didn't leave us in our darkness, but he helped us to see the glorious light. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He said, you're from beneath. I'm from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Go with me, please, to the 18th chapter of John. John 18 and verse 33 And uh, we'll look at Young's literal, again, translation. John 18, this is when Jesus is standing before Pilate, right before he went to the cross. And the accusation that's been made against him is that he has put himself up to be a king. And of course, that was a dangerous thing to say in Rome. Because Caesar put himself up as God. And, uh, you know, rulers took things like that as a threat. That you're saying, I'm going to be a king instead of you. And the Pharisees and doctors of law knew that was the political hot button that they could push and get things going the way they wanted to against Jesus. So Pilate entered the praetorium and he called Jesus and he said, are you the king of the Jews? Can you answer that question today? He is, and he is the king of all kings. And he is the Lord of all lords. We don't see it all yet down here, but we will. I said, we will. Verse 34. Jesus said, uh, did you get this from yourself? Or somebody else tell you about me? (laughs) He is very cold. To be standing there in front of somebody that supposedly has the power of his life and death in their hands because he knows 
No man takes my life from me. Right? I lay it down and I receive commandment of my father. I have power to take it up again. He has no fear. He's not intimidated. And that's one thing that was a real witness to Pilate. Because at one point he said, don't you know I got the power? He said, you could have no power at all against me. Unless it was given to you from above. Jesus' boldness and his lack of fear unsettled Pilate. He's like, well, he hadn't seen this before. He began to realize, I'm, I may not be as in control here as I thought I was. <laughs> Verse 35, Pilate said, am I a Jew? Your own nation, the chief priests, delivered you up to me. What did you do? Verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Everybody said out loud. His kingdom, His kingdom is not of this world. Said another time, his kingdom, his kingdom, the kingdom of God, kingdom of God is, not of this world. is not of this world. Now see, there's been numerous groups throughout the years that have tried to set up the kingdom down here now. And it didn't work. And it's not going to work. Because his kingdom is what? It's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my officers had struggled that I might not be delivered up to Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. He makes a very clear differentiation of what's of the world and what's from down here and what's from heaven and from above. Very important. Verse 37, Pilate said, Are you then a king? Jesus said, you said it. Because a king I am. And for this have I been born. And for this I've come to the world. That I may testify to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth does hear my voice. Is that everybody? No. You'll find a phrase frequently. Him that has ears to hear. Let him hear. What does that let you know? Not everybody's going to hear this. Not everybody's going to see this. But he said, everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. Now, uh, skip down, or back up, I should say, to the 17th chapter of John. And here, this whole chapter is Jesus praying. Would you like to spend some time praying with Jesus? Kneel down beside him. Listen to him pray. Well, all you got to do is open your Bible. Kneel down and read chapter 17. And you'll hear him praying. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And listen to a number. We won't go through the whole thing for time's sake. But in uh, the 17th chapter and the 9th verse. Notice what he says here. I pray for them. Now, if you look at the whole chapter, you see he was talking about the apostles and disciples and everybody who would ever believe through their word. So that includes us. He was praying for us. (laughs) How many believe Jesus gets his prayers answered every time? Uh, Read this chapter again and you'll be amazed at the faith of Jesus. He prays that all of us 
would be one, even as he and the Father are one. And you have to go, Lord, great is thy faith. (laughs) Because when you look at all of our splintered denominations and groups, and we all going to be one, just like Jesus and the Father are one. But how many believe it's going to happen? It ain't over. If Jesus prayed it and believed it, how many believe it's going to come to pass? And his faith is that great. And it'll surely come to pass. (laughs) He said, I pray for them. Now notice what he, he didn't have to say this to keep talking about this subject. But by the Spirit of God, he said, I'm not praying for the world. I pray not for the world. But for them which you've given me. For they are thine. Keep reading. All mine are thine and thine are mine. I'm glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world. If you read this whole 17th chapter. You'll see verse after verse. He's talking about the world versus his. The world versus his. He makes such a a clear difference between it. I'm no more in the world. And these are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep through your own name those you've given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name, and those you gave me I've kept, and none of them is lost, but are except the son of perdition, that's Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Is there a difference between us and the world? There's supposed to be a huge difference between us and the world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. First John 5 tells that the whole world lies under the power and control of the evil one. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls Satan the God of this world. But even though you and I are in this world, we're not under the power of the evil one because we have been translated out of the kingdom and power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son, And when it came time for Jesus to go to the cross, he said, the prince of this world comes. But he said, but he's got nothing in me. Don't you like that, saints? You're in the world. The devil's all around. His influence is all around. But he's got nothing in me. He's not over me. He's not ruling me. He's not my Lord. Jesus is My Lord, my King of kings, my Lord of lords. Oh, thank you, Master. He said, they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. And as you've sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. 
So it is true that though we're in this world, we are not of this world. This world is not our home. And we are not to love this world. In fact, the more light you get, you get to where you don't like this world at all. And you begin to take on a soldier mentality that I am here to get a job done and then I'm going home. You become mission minded. Let me read some scriptures to you without you turning to all of them. In John 12, I guess you're close by. John 12, 25. Jesus said, he that loves his life, what will happen? He'll lose it. And he that what? Hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. I used to read that and think, I don't get that. But the further I go, the more I get it. (laughs) Compared to the complete reign of God and complete will of God manifested, this place is a mess. And it's full of evil and junk. And our objective should not be to see how much we can squeeze out of this world and this life. Because this is not what we're about. We're not to love this world. Listen with me in James 4. Put it up on the screen. James 4 and 4 in the Amplified. He said... Starting in the middle of the verse here. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? Is that true? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? Is it that clear. Is it that distinct? You're on this side or you're on that side? God's your father or Satan's your father? You're in the kingdom or you're out of the kingdom? You're born from above or you're of this world beneath? It's true. 1 John 2.15 says, don't love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in him. Do you love the world? You remember Paul had people that traveled with him. That left him. And he said they departed from me. Having loved this present world. They were with Paul. They were on the road with him. They heard the messages. They saw the people get saved. They saw the churches get started. They saw the miracles. But still they got to a place where they said you know. I'm not going on the next trip. Where are you going? I'm going to Vegas. I want to live. I want to make the most of what time I got left. I want to party. I want to to have fun. Like you couldn't have any fun serving God. But too many have made that choice. They have chosen. Even people that have gone to church. Even people that have been exposed to the good things of God. Have said I love the world. I love now, when we say the world, we're talking about godless world. 
the world's system and the world's ways and the world's things that are devoid of God. Godless. Say it out loud. I don't love the world. I love God. I'm not a friend of the world. I don't love the world. I don't love the things that's in the world. We use what we need to down here, but we must not get attached to it or covet it. Go with me to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians. Now, there's an enmity. Can you see this? Oh, I know it's not politically correct. It's not socially. The social idea is, why can't we just all get along? Let's just all get along. Because we're all basically children of the same God. No, we're not. That's a lie. That's not true. We're not all children of the same God. That's a big lie. Do you believe the Bible? Second Corinthians talks about this. Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter and the 14th verse. What does it say? Be ye not unequally yoked together with believers. Unbelievers, excuse me. (laughs) What are you laughing at? (laughs) You enjoy it way too much when I make a mistake. (laughs) That's okay. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and communion has light with darkness? What's the answer to that? What's the answer? How much? A little bit? Some? How much? Here, the believer is called righteousness. The unbeliever is called unrighteousness. The believers call light. The unbelievers call darkness. And uh, let me read these to you from some other translations. The Living Bible. Do we have that one? Don't be teamed with those who do not love the Lord. For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? How can light live with darkness? Keep reading. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? So when you're saying, let's all just get along. You're saying, Jesus and the devil just need to get along. Not going to happen. Right? And if that's not going to happen, then it's not going to happen down here that people whose father is the devil are going to get along perfectly with people whose father is God. Because we, our natures, are completely different. Our missions are completely different. We're not going to jive. Now that doesn't mean That you have to be mean to people. And rude to people. And you know Jesus was a friend of sinners. He was called that. In the sense that he would eat with people. He would talk to people. But it doesn't mean they hung out together. And were buddies. There's a difference. Can you see what he's talking about? You can't run with people. Fellowship with people day and night. When they're wanting to do evil and you're wanting to do good. Light and darkness. Righteousness, unrighteousness. 
Read the good news on this. Do we have the good news translation? Do not try to work together as equals with unbelievers. For it cannot be done. How can right and wrong be partners? How can light and darkness live together? What's the answer to this? They can't. Are we reading the New Testament? They can't. Verse 15. How can Christ and the devil agree? They never are. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Your nature is totally different. Keep reading. 16. How can God's temple come to terms with pagan idols? We are the temple of the living God. As God himself has said, I'll make my home with my people and live among them. I'll be their God. They shall be my people. Keep reading. So the Lord says, you must leave and separate yourselves from them. Is this still true today? Have nothing to do with what's unclean. And I will accept you. Verse 18. I'll be your father. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Do you have to choose? Can you be in both? Can you, you can't. People have tried, but you can't. You can't. Thank you, Lord, for the truth. Thank you, Lord, for the truth. The BBE says don't keep company with. Don't become partners with. Don't be in close association with unbelievers. The Weymouth, if we have the Weymouth, put that up. This is very good because it describes this. The Weymouth translation says, Do not come into close association with unbelievers like oxen yoked with asses. (laughs) How well do you think donkeys and oxen are going to work together in the same yoke. They're different critters. They're different animals. Their natures and functions are different. Is there that much difference between a believer and an unbeliever? There is. There is. Go with me to Matthew 13, please. Matthew, the 13th chapter. And we'll begin about verse 10. Now, if you want to learn something about the kingdom of God, this 13th chapter of Matthew is rich, rich, rich. Basically, the whole chapter talks about the kingdom. And verse after verse after verse, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is as this. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Showing us how to understand the kingdom, how the kingdom operates, the future of what's going to happen. In the kingdom. And the Bible said in verse 10. The disciples came and they said to Jesus. Why do you speak to them in parables? Why would they say that? They're saying. Why don't you just make it plain? Why don't you just. Say what you're talking about. Because he's telling stories. He's talking about fishing. And farming. and Right? And they're saying, Lord, why not just come out and say it? Why do you keep talking parables? Verse 11. Jesus answered and said, because it's given to you to know the mysteries of what? The kingdom of heaven. But to them, it is not given. Keep going. 
Whosoever has, to him will be given. He'll have more abundance. Whoever has not, from him will be taken away, even what he has. How many times did the Lord say to him that has ears to hear, let him hear? So what does that, does everybody have ears to hear then? No, they don't. Did you know that God is a God who hides himself? Isaiah 45, 15. He said, I thought God's a God who reveals himself. He's that too. To some, he hides himself, and to some, he reveals himself. You know, that don't seem fair. That's just because something's wrong with your seamer. Because he is perfectly fair. <laughs> but he said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What does that mean? Don't give precious things to those that despise them. And don't value them. And so... There are many who don't have ears to hear. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to see it. If you gave it to them, all they'd do is despise it, mock it, and make fun of it. And to many of these, their whole life, it'll be like there is no God. The things of God will be completely obscured for them. But to them that'll value and hear it and receive it and believe it and do it, They'll get more. And he'll show them more. And he'll show us. Come on, are you going to identify with this much? Us more. And more. We'll have abundance of light and truth to walk in. And he has. Hadn't he been good to us? Faith Life Church. He has been good to us. Showing us. I'm believing for a lot more light. Are you believing with me? I would ask you. Pray for us. Believe with us. The Lord has given us revelation, but there is so much more. I said, there is so much more. There are things he would open up to us that I think we'd just stand with our mouth open for two days and go. But we always thought, they said, and it'll clear up for us and we'll know and we'll see. And will the truth make us free? Believe with me, saints. Believe with me. And with all our ministers and with other ministries, and let's come up to a whole other place of understanding and light. He said, to you it's given to know the mysteries. To them it's not. Do you hear what Jesus said? I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. Now, if I'd have said that, you'd have probably corrected me. Oh, Brother Keith, you should be more compassionate for the world. <laughs> Jesus is right. And all who will believe, they're going to have the opportunity to. Multiple opportunities. But there are some that no matter what comes, they are not going to turn loose of their stubbornness or their unbelief. And to them, it's not given. They wouldn't value it anyway. Skip on down to verse 24. Another parable put he forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. We're going to read for a few verses here. While men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now a tear is something that looks just like wheat. Same size, shape, it looks just like wheat. But the seeds are actually poisonous to humans. So it's evil wheat. 
It's not really wheat. It's an evil wheat lookalike. And uh, he said an enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now think about that. Here's a man. He's got a great piece of land. He's prepared his land. He's going to all the work of planting the best seed he could find. And after he plants it, somebody comes in the nighttime and sows bad stuff in his field after he planted the good. Who would do such a thing? <laughs> You're ahead of us, aren't you? The enemy. Keep reading. When the blade sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. They grew up as well. Keep reading. On down to about verse 30 here. The servants of the householder came and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where'd these tares come from? He said, an enemy has done this. Is there an enemy? Is he doing things in the world? Yes, he is. Is it pleasing to God? No. No. It's against what God is doing. It's opposing, trying to interfere and interrupt what God is doing. The servant said to him, you want us to go and gather them up? He said, no. Lest while you gather up the tares... You root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. That's what's happening right now. We're all here. Wheat and tares. Growing together right now. And in the time of harvest I'll say to the reapers. Gather ye together first the tares. Bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. How many like the sound of his barn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Skip on down to verse 34. All these things spoke Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. And why did he do it that way? Because to some it's given, and some it's not given to see it and understand it. Verse 35. Let me, let me back up a little bit. If your heart's right, the Lord will open your eyes. Can you see that? And you'll see stuff other people don't see. But if somebody in their arrogance and their ignorance go, I don't see any of that. <laughs> All that means is you don't see something. Don't mean it's not there. And with God, it's not a matter of how smart you are. It's a heart thing. Always. To the closed heart and closed mind, the Bible's a closed book. But to the open heart. To the believing heart. Didn't the Bible say. It called about the saints in, in Berea. Is that who they were? They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They searched the word daily. To see if those things were so. And man they got light. And they got salvation. And they got miracles. And the other people nothing. He said. That it might be fulfilled. I'll open my mouth in parables. I'll utter things which have been kept secret. From the foundation of the world. That's what I was talking about you believing with me about. Just a few minutes ago. Are there a lot of other things you and I can see. And should see and understand. It's already right here. It's in the word. But so many have not seen it. There, do you believe there's a lot in here we have not seen. And oh my. Could the Lord open up our eyes and our hearts. And give utterance and give revelation. Do we want it? Yeah. Are we hungry for it? Yeah. Come on, let's tell the Lord. Say, Lord, Lord. We're, hungry we're hungry for it. We're asking for more. Asking for 
much more light understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom of your word of your truth to your glory hallelujah we ask it we ask it in Jesus name so be it he gives his precious thanks to people who value it who want it who esteem it count it precious is that us that's us he said, verse 36, Jesus sent the multitude away and he went into the house. The disciples came and they said, declare to us the parable of the tares of the field. Now he had said a lot of things, but this one stood out to them. And they want to, Lord, tell us some more about what, what does that mean? What is that? What does that represent? Verse 37, he answered and said to them, he that sows the good seed is the son of man. Now, is he talking parables to them? No. Why? To them it's given. Open book. Here it is. But the other folks still scratching their head. And it's not because God's a respecter of persons. It's because their heart's not right. He that sows the good seed is the son of man. Keep going. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. You're a child of the kingdom? But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Is everybody down here a child of God? No, they are not. Are there those that are children of the devil? Yes. And a lot of folks don't like that. They don't want to hear that. But you either believe what Jesus said or you make up something on your own. No. Children of the wicked one. Keep going. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. Is the seed of the word of God being sown in the world. I'm sowing some right now. Hmm? Do you know how you were born again? By the incorruptible seed of the word of God. You were born from above. Born again. And now you see the kingdom. Now you're in the kingdom. And the kingdom's in you. Is the enemy sowing seed? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And it's germinating and growing up. Tares. Looks like wheat, but it's poisonous. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Keep going. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. Keep going. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. You see, God's not going to tolerate this forever. All this evil, all this destruction, all this junk. There's coming a time when he's going to take it all out. Oh, hallelujah. And separate it. And in his king, his kingdom, nothing's going to remain except that which is good and wholesome. Now, right now, it's all here mixed in together. I mean, that's obvious, isn't it? But there's coming a time. Son of man will send forth his angels. They'll gather out of his kingdom. Verse 42. And he'll cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
Keep going. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Is that you? Have you been made righteous by your faith in Jesus? We're going to shine like the sun in the kingdom of our father. In fact, we're going to rule and reign with him in the kingdom that shall never end. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. Does that mean everybody's going to get this? No, they're not. No, they're not. And don't you be shocked when they don't get you. (laughs) They don't accept you. They didn't accept him. Right? That's part of it. Identifying with him is part of it. Skip on down to the 47th verse. This idea just keeps going and going. Jesus keeps reaffirming it and saying it in different words. He said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Which when it was full, they drew to the shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad of way. Is there coming a separation? There is. Keep reading. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse 51. Jesus said, have you understood all these things? They said, yes, Lord, we got it now. Do we have it? Is this true? Is it going to happen just like this? Are you glad, so glad that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? That you are not a child, a seed of the evil one. Now we don't know who's going to accept him and who's not. So we got to preach to everybody like they will. But we're not shocked and fall off our chair when some don't because he told us some won't. They're not going to now. They're not going to ever. But thanks be unto God Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thanks be unto God that you and I are in the kingdom. The kingdom that shall never, ever end. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. I think that's good for now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift up our hands. And just thank the Lord. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. We adore you, great Father. Oh, how thankful we are that you have chosen us to know you and to be in you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you you for choosing us. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making us a part of your elect. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.